All right, welcome back to the study in the first 16 chapters of the book of Exodus. This week is going to be very different. This week is going to be very different than, than the different messages that we've had leading up to this point, primarily because the chapter that we're looking at is very different. It, it is, uh, it is a, a psalm, it is a response to what we have been looking at over the last many, many weeks. So I'm just warning you, you in advance that this message is going to be unique, just like the passage that we're looking at. It, I believe it's going to be significant. It's going to be significant if you try what we're going to be talking about today. I've been doing this this week at a couple different times, um, pre preparing and enjoying and being impacted by this. I know that if you try what we're talking about, you will be helped and, and it will be good. Last week, we looked at the crossing of the Red Sea. Somewhere a little bit after Easter, 1457, no, 1447 B.C. or so, thereabouts, you have this epic miracle that we looked at where God fully and finally crushes Egypt. Like just crushes them. All of its horsemen, all of the king's horsemen, all of the king's men, couldn't get out of the water again. There's something like that. Like they, they, they drowned the chariots. They're, they're, they're drowning. Uh, not the chariots. The people on it. I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm struggling. No, no. So, it, but their army is, is decimated. Uh, bodies washing up on the, on the shore. Now, a brief flash forward since we're not going back to Egypt. Praise God. We're not, we're not going back that way again. So, just as a final epilogue to, to Egypt here. I've said this before, but now that Egypt's been decimated, has, you know, fields and firstborns and, and all that's happened, um, now the army is gone. Egypt is going to be swiftly taken over by the, the Hyksos, who are going to invade probably from Canaan. They're probably going to come down and take over for the next 250 years or so. We have that historian, the Egyptian historian, who is writing to the new Greek leadership of Egypt around 300 B.C., Manetho. And I, I've referenced this quote several times in part, but I want to remind you of the whole thing, which I'd read a long, long time ago at this point. He, he wrote that um, Tudemeos, who is the, which is the Greek name, he's writing to Greek people, for, for Deutimose, who is the pharaoh here. In his reign, for what cause I know not, God smote us the Egyptians. Uh, I've referenced that often in this series. However, there's more that happens after the smiting. It says, and unexpectedly from the regions of the east, invaders of obscure race marched in confidence of victory against our land. By main force, they easily seized it without striking a blow. And having overpowered the rulers of the land, they then burned our cities ruthlessly, raised to the ground the temples of the gods, and treated all the natives with a cruel hostility, massacring some, and leading into slavery the wives and children of others. Okay, so Egypt is wrecked. It's wrecked. That's according to their own historians. God judged the gods of Egypt, chapter 12, I think, of Exodus. And then he sends in these foreign invaders, as if that wasn't good enough, to burn down all their temples and, and to tear down the temples of these Egyptian gods. Now, as we move forward, we're seeing that God smote, God smote Egypt. It's wrecked, and yet their nightmare is going to continue now for another 250 years of this foreign leadership of of, of Egypt. It's awful for Egypt, but it's incredible for God's people. This is justice. This is justice for God's people. And now they stand on the shores of the other side of the Red Sea. Here's some pictures. Um, 
Moses didn't take this. These are more modern pictures. But this is, this, this is probably where, uh, this is one of the two possible locations. This is the southern location, but they look about the same anyways. Uh, looking across now over towards the Sinai Peninsula from the shore in, in what is now Midian. And then turning around the other way from the same point of view, looking out at this big flat area where they can camp here at this campsite, and, and then there's the hills in the distance. They're actually going to probably go a bit kind of down to the right. They're not going to go straight into the hills there. But, but that's, uh, that's kind of where, they're, that's where this, this stopping point is, is taking place. They're finally free. And, and I, I don't want to get past this. When they're free, they stop. They're not to the promised land yet. They're not even to their first major uh, stopping point, which will be Mount Sinai. They're not anywhere. There's nothing here. And yet they've experienced God's goodness, and they decide to stop. And Moses is going to write a psalm, and, and Miriam is going to write a psalm as well. Now, I'm, just, I, I'm aware that many of you in your life, you don't feel like you're there yet, like at your promised land. I'm just going to take a wild guess. Or, or maybe not even at, like, a, a nice stopping point along the way, like at Mount Sinai. Not that it was a super nice stopping point along the way, but, but nonetheless, a stopping point along the way. And maybe you feel like you're just, but maybe you feel like you've just got through something, or maybe you're in the midst of something. Uh, today we're going to talk about just stopping where you are. You don't have to be there to stop. Stopping where you are and express express your praise and thankfulness to God. Some of the best psalms in the Bible are written long before the person ever gets there or arrives, usually in the midst of a challenge. So I'm going to start with the challenge this week. The challenge is write a psalm. That's the challenge. Write a psalm. Thanking or asking. I'm not asking you to write scripture. No, you're not qualified for that, in my humble opinion. Uh, no, but you can, you're going to write uh, a Hebrew poem, a, a, a psalm. Okay, so what that means is, this idea of asking us all, what that means is after this message, I'm going to ask you to write a psalm. It doesn't have to be long, it, but I want it to reflect where you're at personally. If you've experienced God's help and answered prayer recently, then I want you to write a thankful psalm. If you are in the midst of, of it all, then I want you to write a asking psalm. God, I'm asking for help. Or I'm asking you to pay attention. I'm going to tell you, writing a psalm is probably one of the easiest forms of poetry to write without hardly any need of editing. Uh, a third of the Old Testament is written in this style. Not just the psalms, but most of the prophets are, are written using Hebrew poetry. Uh, I think you'll find that writing a psalm is super easy. It's super quick, and it's a, a surprisingly powerful reset and, and, and a, a powerful re-strengthening of, of your heart, and especially in tough times. It's a, it's a way that you find yourself expressing thankfulness better than you thought, and you will look at it, and you'll be like, wow, I didn't even know I, I, I had this in me. We're, we're in this weird global moment. This is the why, why we're talking about this day. We're in a weird global moment. The church isn't normal. If you're new here visiting, last year we didn't have the face mask things and spread out thing going on and, and the register, re register to show up thing going on. Like, it, it is not normal. We, we could sing last year. <laughs> like, we had, like, out loud, like, not just one person behind a shield, but, like, 
all of us together. It, it, it was very, very different. Right now, our church experience and our worship experience, the, the one that we're, we're used to, it's stifled. It's different. It's different maybe than what you're used to. And so it's, it's very much on my heart to help equip and teach people how to find other methods to refresh and re-excite and keep alive their, their souls, their hearts, when some of, it, some of what they're used to all their life has been taken away. Or, or, or it's not allowed at, at this moment. I, I do write this psalms from time to time. I did a few of them this week, and I'm always surprised at, at how, how refreshing it is for my heart. Now, you might look at me and you're like, Brian, you look more like a thug than a poet. And I get that. <laughs> I get that. And so be encouraged. If I can do it, uh, then, 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 anybody, then anybody can do it. Okay, so here's what we're going to do today. I'm going to teach you the basics, very basics. It, like all poetry, there's deeper and deeper levels, but I'm going to teach you the basics so that you can be successful at this. And then we're going to look at uh, Exodus chapter 15 and see Moses and Miriam's example as they celebrate going through the Red Sea. Then a few quick final tips, and then, then, then you're released to, to give this a go. So <clears throat> the first thing of two that you need to, that you need to know about um, Hebrew poetry is that Hebrew poetry is about rhyming thoughts not sounds. Rhyming thoughts, not sounds. English poetry is about sounds, like rhymes and chimes and dimes. And it's about like, you know, meter, like, like rhymes and times and thrimes and rhymes and you know, right? There's sound connected to it. You get it. Thank you, Brian. Stop. And, you know, you... In, in, in Hebrew poetry, it's not about sounds at all. It's about rhyming thoughts in mostly in two-line couplets. And really, it's the second line that brings the power, that takes you to the next level, okay? But it's in two-line two line couplets mostly. So in English, you'd have like, <clears throat> there was an old lady who lived in a shoe. She had so many children, she didn't know what to do. Huh, it rhymed. Wow, that's an English poem or something like that. So, so you have that together. In Hebrew, it might go something like this. There was an old lady who lived in a shoe. She didn't live in a house. Oh, wow. That, that, that didn't rhyme and it didn't flow, right? It, it doesn't matter. We're going with, we're talking about her living situation. Like, that's, that's, that's the thought that we're, that we're working on there. The, the, the secret and um, what, what makes this, this so easy is all you have to do is have a second line uh, reflect in some way the first line. You, so you don't move on from whatever you wrote in the first line. You just, you bring something more to it. And, and it goes surprisingly uh, more effective. And there's three ways to bring something more to it. Okay? And this is the other thing you need to know. How to bring that second line. There's, there's the way where you say the same thing, but with different words. It's called synonymous. You don't need to know that. Uh, synonymous. There's, uh, then you can say this, this, the same thing with contrast. Usually the word but or not or don't, you know, shows up in the contrast version, antithetical. Or then there's synthetic, where you say, you say something and then you continue on, you say something more. So back to the old lady, uh, with all respect. It says, uh, so you have, like, if you want to try the synonymous version, right, you, the saying the same thing with different words, you would say, there was an old lady who lived in a shoe, she lived inside the shoes she wore, you know, something like that, right? 
Shishar, 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 right? Okay, so she lived inside the Shishar, something like that. Uh, we're not leaving the thought. We're staying there saying the same thing. Antithetical would look like this. <clears throat> there was an old lady who lived in a shoe. She didn't live in a house at all. Okay, it, it, see the didn't word, the contrast. We're, we haven't left. She lives in a shoe. She didn't live in this. That's, it's contrast to clarifying the first line, right? The other way is to taking it further, saying further about the same thing. There was an old lady who lived in a shoe, well-worn Adidas with too many holes, right? That's a terrible, that doesn't rhyme at all. I know, but it's spectacular Hebrew poetry, okay? So we, like anybody can do that, right? Wait, you don't have to rhyme and it doesn't have to be in the right pace? Right, okay. Just say something else? Perfect. I think I can do that, okay? I'm good at saying something else. Anyways. Uh, look, here's some examples from the Psalms, right? So, synonymous, saying the same thing with different words. Psalm 40, verse 3. He put, God, put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. It's basically, say, you, know, a, you know, he put a new song, okay, it's a hymn of praise, clarifying, just using different words. Something like that. Uh, antithetical, uh, from, you know, same thing but using contrast, Psalm 40 again, verse 10. I spoke about your faithfulness and salvation. I did not conce conceal, so that you got to contrast there. I did not conceal your constant love and truth from the great assembly. Again, saying about the same thing but, but reversing it to, to, to really drive home and clarify, make it more powerful. Synthetic. Psalm 40, verse 1, I waited patiently for the Lord, and now I'm going to take this further, and he turned to me and heard my cry for help. I'm just, I'm continuing that thought a little bit further. So in all of these, you start with one line, and actually, probably the line that you would usually end if you were talking to God. God, please help me. But when you go to the second line, don't ignore what I'm saying, it just cinches it down a little bit tighter. It takes it to the next level. That, so th this two-line thought. Okay, so hold that. Let's look at Exodus chapter 15. Let's look at Moses and Miriam and their thankful psalms as they are celebrating one of the greatest victories that we looked at last week, the, the parting of the Red Sea. I'm in Exodus chapter 15. And, you know, we'll, we'll look at how this goes. Now, I know that I'm talking about these three different ways to do it. Um, don't worry about that. Like, don't overthink it. It's just, it's just tuck it away. Don't overthink it. This is what we read in, in Moses' psalm. Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to Yahweh. They said, I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. He has thrown the horse and its rider into the sea. That's the, that's the two pairing. I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. He has thrown the horse and rider into the sea. So this is the, the one that takes it a little bit further. It's answering the why question. Why am I singing to the Lord? Because he's done this. Just kind of taking it one step further. Verse 2. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. The next one. This is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. That's, that's, the synthetic, that's the saying the same thing twice, synonymous, saying the same thing again. This is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. 
or sorry, Yahweh is a warrior. When it says the Lord is his name, it should say Yahweh, right? That makes a lot more sense because that's what's in the Bible. Yahweh is a warrior. Yahweh is his name. He threw Pharaoh's chariots and his army into the sea. The elite of his officers were drowned in the Red Sea. That's, again, saying the same thing the second time. But just to make sure it's, it includes the elite. The floods covered them. They sank to the depths like a stone. Saying the same thing as the first line. Yahweh, your right hand is glorious in power. Yahweh, your right hand shattered the enemy. You overthrew your adversaries by your great majesty. You unleashed your burning wrath. It consumed them like stubble. Okay, the next two verses have a little bit of a twist. They, they are superpower Hebrew here. Hebrew pair uh, stuff here. And... And what's going to happen is, and this is all just about drawing attention to this is so epic right here. And this is how they do it. They don't, they have one line, and then they have the next line, and then they have a third line. <gasps> Not the third power line. Yes, that's what we, that's what we have here. And so they're going to do this action in verse 8 and verse 9. The water heaped up. At the blast from your nostrils, the current stood firm like a dam. The watery depths congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil. My desire will be gratified at their expense. I will draw my sword, my hand will destroy them. You have three there. Again, don't worry about that, but that's, that's Moses. And, he, and he's saying, this was such the epic bit of this. But you blew with your breath. And the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Yahweh, who is like you among the gods? Who is like you, glorious in holiness, revered with praises, performing wonders? You stretched out your right hand, and the earth swallowed them. With your faithful love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. You will guide them to your holy dwelling with your strength. My arm's getting tired. Um, when the people hear, they will shudder. Anguish will seize the inhabitants of Philistia. Then the chiefs of Edom will be terrified. Trembling will seize the leaders of Moab. All the inhabitants of Canaan will panic. Terror and dread will fall on them. They will be as still as stone because of your powerful arm until your people pass by, Yahweh. Until the people whom you purchased pass by. You will bring them in and plant them on the mountain of your possession. Yahweh, you have prepared the place for your dwelling. Lord, your hands have established the sanctuary. Yahweh will reign forever and ever. That's Moses' psalm. And then, it, and then in case you missed the context of this psalm because you skipped ahead to look at this poem instead of reading the story before it, it says, When Pharaoh's horses with his chariots and horsemen went into the sea, Yahweh brought the water of the sea back over them. But, but the Israelites walked through the sea on dry ground. Then the prophetess Miriam, Aaron's sister, and Moses' sister, but must have been one of those days where he didn't want to identify with her. Aaron's sister took a tambourine in her hand. Did you bring your tambourines? I hope not, but if you have them online, this was your moment. Uh, took a tambourine in her hand, and all the women came out following her with tambourines and dancing. And Miriam sang to them, sing to Yahweh, for he is highly exalted. He has thrown the horse and its rider into the sea. When God answers your prayers, when God helps you, when, when God brings breakthrough into your life, stop and savor it before moving on. I don't care if you're not there yet, if you haven't got all the way through it yet. 
Stop and savor it before moving. I love it that they stayed on the shore of, of the sea and, and they wrote a psalm or two psalms and, and celebrated what God has done before taking another step. If God has helped you, I encourage you to stop right now, today, and, and write a psalm of thankfulness. Now, if you're stuck, also stop. And, and, and if you want God to help you, then write a psalm of asking. God, I, I ask for your help. There's so many asking psalms in the Bible. Basically, any psalm that sounds something like, God, I'm calling out to you, and I, please hear me. The enemy is all over the place, and I'm wasting away. Anything like that. It's, it's like uh, the, this psalm of, of asking God for help. You can just look through the 150 psalms, for examples, mostly asking and thankful psalms. There's a few other types in there. But when you're writing your psalm, which is your challenge for today, I, I want to help you think in a few chunks that will make it awesome. Which is, you know, the, the goal, right? To, to make it awesome. Um, if you're writing an asking psalm, maybe, maybe, maybe structure it a bit like this. Say what you're worried about and you need God's help with. God, I'm terrified. I'm terrified. The, uh, the bills are due and I have no money. Don't say, and I don't know what to do, because that rhymes, and that's getting away from what we're trying to accomplish here. Try not to rhyme. Try not to make it sound, da, 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 da. okay, be in, so say what you're worried about, what you need, you know, and kind of go through that for a while. A few, you know, say a line, and then follow it up. Say another line, follow it up. Say another line, follow it up. Kind of do a few things like that. And then say what you've heard God is like, and what he's able to do, connected to this. I've heard that you're the provider. Be that to me in this moment. I hear that you own the cattle on a thousand hills. Could I have a couple? Um, uh, or at least the money from one. You know, that, that, that sort of a thing. Like, like, like just that, that sort of, you heard what God is like. I'm worried about this exam. God, you, are, you, under, you have wisdom and you give it to those who ask. You know, things like that. What God is like and how it fits in your situation. And then say how you're feeling in the moment. You get lots of examples of this with David. I am in the dust. I am wasting away. I am really in agony here. That's okay. This can be, an, this can be personal, honest moments here. The, the Psalms are very personal and, and reveal, whoa, you're, you don't have it all together in this moment. That's okay. You're writing this Psalm, okay? And you maybe sit there for a little bit. And then this is the, this is the key, key, key to making it awesome. You say how you're going to respond when God helps you someday. And usually in the Bible, it's like, I'm going to, I'm going to praise you. I'm going to uh, celebrate. I'm going to testify to your one. I'm going to tell people about what you've done. I'm going to bring a special offering to the Lord. Those are the ones that you see over and over again in the psalm. But like, I'm going to tell people what you've done. You can look kind of at the end of psalms and you see a lot of that. I wrote one like this this week, a actually a couple of them like this this week, really good focusing, strengthening. I'm, I'm always surprised. It, there's something about that second line that just always takes me further than I thought I could go. Sounds simple, but it's, it's powerful. Now, if you want to write a thankful psalm, maybe some chunks in that would be, say what God did for you and how you feel about it and express thankfulness. Like, in, this is an example of what we just looked at. Like, Moses just wrote a thankful psalm for us. You know, you are amazing. You threw the horse and rider into the sea. And then say what you've seen that God is like. You're powerful. You are a rescuing God. You can do anything. You know, you really do hear and answer prayers. You know, something like that. And then another chunk, how you're going to respond to God's goodness to you going forward. It's like, you've been good to me, and so 
I'm going to tell people, again, those same things. I'm going to, I'm going to testify to what you've done. I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to have chocolate. Or something, something like that. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to celebrate. I'm going to celebrate. And you want to say that. Now, these are dead easy. Like, these are dead easy. Don't overthink them. What I just do, and, and I'm the master of not overthinking. I just write a line, and then I write another line. Okay? And, and I don't even worry about, I mean, sometimes I'm like, oh, let me just try an, a contrast one here. I'm going to try and use, like, okay, get, God, you've been good to me, but, uh, no, that doesn't work. You've been good to me, you never ignore my prayers, or something like that. You know, like, just tr try, and, try, and, try and come up with a, a contrast line. Again, don't overthink about this. So I'm going to encourage you today, I want you to encourage you to write a psalm. And I am going to just lay this out there. I want you to try, if, you, if you're willing to do this, this is, this is only an option here. Send it to me before 8 in the morning. And here's what will happen. If you send me your psalm before 8 in the mor morning, uh, now maybe you'll write it and you'll be like, it's just a little bit too personal. You can edit it a little bit and, and, and if, you, if you want to. But if you send it to me before 8 in the morning, I will pray through your psalm with you on, or on your behalf and I'll praise God with you in your psalm on your behalf even if it takes me all day I will pray and praise through your psalm if you're asking God for help I will be there reading it and praying that same thing if you are thanking God I'm going to be with you praying for it so if you send it to me by 8 in the morning so uh, my email is Brian I know it's vain <laughs> B-R-I-A-N at rehope.co.uk uh, 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 now, even now, this goes out even if you're even if you're not in Scotland. I don't know why you wouldn't be in Scotland, but even if you're like in the South Pacific or uh, or just the islands or I don't know, England's in lockdown, so I don't know if they get the internet. But but that but that just wherever you're at, um, send it to me and I'll read it and and I'm looking forward to that. Poetry is powerful, and I genuinely believe that if you give this a go, you will be surprised at how helpful it is to your your heart and your soul. Now, if you don't know where to begin, here's three questions. One of these three questions will get you going. Number one, what is the most desperate prayer of your heart? What is the most desperate prayer of your heart? You're like, I don't have one. Oh, awesome. <laughs> awesome. Number two, then try this question. What has God done for you that you're most thankful about? Okay. And, and if, if, that, if there's nothing that you're thankful about, that's not quite as awesome. But number three, uh, what about God fills you with wow and wonder? One of those three questions can, can get you started on this psalm. Uh, again, again, no one's going to accuse me of being a poet. But if I can do this, uh, you can do this too. Mm, okay, we're going to practice this for a moment. Uh, you probably don't have time to write any of this down, but we're just going to do this in our heads. So I'm going to give you a line. And then you follow it up in your head with the answer. And then I need a little bit of feedback, not because I'm insecure, just for timing purposes. And you can say, I did a good job with that one. Only you will know. I did a bad job with that one. Or, you know, I'm kind of medium on, on that one, okay? So we're going to practice this. The first line begins with, Jesus, I'm so thankful that... Now you, you can finish your first line. Jesus, I'm so thankful that... And then I want you to say the same thing with different words for your second line. Jesus, I'm so thankful that... And 
sometimes they, in order to make it easier, they just kind of flip it around. Like, I'm so thankful that you provided for me. You, you provided for me, and I'm overflowing with thankfulness. Just kind of reversing it sometimes to make it easy if you want to do that. Um, tr let's try another one. Uh, we're going to try the one with the contrast. Okay, P God, please help me with, filling your request here. God, please help me with, don't, please help me, don't, okay, does that work? Are we, are we, are we tracking here? Okay, um, now, now let's, we'll do the one that, about taking it a little bit further. When you answer my prayer, I will, I will do this, and then say another, like, then take it further. When, I, when you answer my prayer, I will write an email to Laura as a testimony for share time, you know, or something like that. I will go further than that and tell my friends by hiding a message in a cake that I make them and drop at the door. Something that's like taking it further, right? Okay, again, the secret power of it is in the second line and working on the, the second line. I think sometimes learning to praise God in the midst of a storm is the fastest way to see breakthrough. It's the fastest way to see breakthrough. I also believe the better we get at praising God for each breakthrough and the better we get at articulating how we're going to praise God when the breakthrough comes, it like, pushes on God's um, love button. He loves to be praised. And when you're telling him, I'm going to praise you like this, he's like, I can't hold back. I just want to be praised. And, and it's like it just kind of urges him along. Now, he's got his timings and his plans and his purposes. But, but uh, do not underestimate how much God loves to be praised. Here's the challenge. Write a psalm. An asking psalm or a thanking psalm. And if you want me to pray it with you, send it to me before 8 a.m. tomorrow morning. Brian at rehope.co.uk. Here's an example. With no editing, by the way. You don't have to edit this stuff. Here, here, here's a no editing example. Father, my heart and mind feel scattered. I'm having a hard time concentrating on things. You know the secret stresses of my heart. You know what wakes me up in the night. I wonder all the time when you will help me, when you will help me with my long prayed prayer. I know you hear me. You aren't ignoring my prayers. I believe you're going to act. You aren't going to leave me in this place. When will you help me? When will you stop holding back? When will you intervene? I know that nothing can stop you from stepping in. All of my hope for this moment of my life is in your helping me. I'm stuck until you answer my prayers. I try to be joyful. I try not to grumble. I really do trust you to help me. You always have. All my life you have led me. You have always directed my path. Here I am waiting for you. Wait no longer and help me. I'm so thankful you see my situation. I'm so happy you care about my life. When I act, I will celebrate. When you intervene, I will tell people of your goodness to me. My friends will hear of your kindness and power. They will be in awe as I testify to your work. May everyone's hope go up as they hear about my answered prayer. May everyone revere and honor you as the mighty one who still steps in. You will be praised. I will lead the celebration. I thank you in advance. I look forward to your long-awaited help. Act swiftly even this week, that all may know you still act quickly. Here I am ready to testify, waiting for your long-promised help. I can do this. You can do this. That's mine. Share yours with me by 8 in the morning, if you will. And I would be happy to pray with you. In fact, let me pray for all of us right now. Spirit of the living God,
awaken our hearts. Help us to express uh, our requests. Help us to think through our praises. Help us to think about what is uh, some things that are so amazing about you. God, I pray that, that this, this practice will, will, um, will take us deeper and closer to you. Will refresh in our hearts and souls. Yeah, we, we look to you. We look to you for, for help. And yeah, please help us in Jesus' name. Amen.